Hello and welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. We're back, Big 12 champs, Oklahoma, and we're here to talk about it with my good friends Alex and Sam and Nathan. How are, how are we doing, guys? We're all here, finally. Yeah, we've been That's trying to do something like this for a while, and like it's like this months. is the first time. <laughs> this has been able to happen in a long time. So. Usually my fault, occasionally Nathan's, but you know, you you yeah. two though, you guys are diligent hosts and you do great work. So congrats. Yes. <laughs> yes. That has nothing to do with the fact that we have nothing else going on in our lives. <laughs> um, that is. Really, yeah. We're just that committed. We move things around all the time. Mm. Uh, Got to make it happen. Yeah, we really. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is the center of our lives, and everything mm-hmm. else orbits around it. Um, but speaking of moving things around, yeah. let's talk about that OUO line. Am I right? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> getting right into hey, it. Um, they finally they made the finals for that stupid award that they got left out of. The Joe Moore, yeah, Joe Moore Award. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like they're gonna win it as a like you know repayment for like a makeup year, call. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's them, Bama, and Georgia. It's them, so. and Bama, and Georgia. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I could see them definitely giving it to Alabama or something. But yeah, I would. I wouldn't be upset if Bama got it because Bama's really good this year too. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who even won it last year? Was it Notre, was it Notre, Notre Dame? Dame? Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah. That's really stupid. Which they, they had mean, two, two like, really good players, right. and then the right side of their line was just like average. they gave up. I mean, okay, okay, this is a whole tangent that we could go into, but I thought I still think that they won it more because they had you know two top ten picks on their the left side of their line than the whole right. line was good. But anyway, yeah, it wasn't a whole unit. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. let's talk about the four-time defending Big Twelve champions now, um, because. We got, got it, it done again. Yeah. And, you know, I know, like, me and Ryan were irrationally confident uh, on our last podcast about this yeah. game. I was irrationally um, confident during the game, but. Yeah. Did did your, did your confidence ever waver after how we started, though, at all? Or were you just like, eh, just give it time, we'll figure it uh, out? I was just, because my whole thing is that Texas collapse and collapses in like every fourth quarter for the past two years um so it's like as long as they don't pull away like this game is not out of hand and they never pulled away so it's like we're all we were always in it and then especially like the essentially the second half of the second quarter i was like oh yeah we're gonna win this game yeah Yeah, i probably i was i probably should have been less confident during the game than i was Looking back yeah. at it, but I, I, I was always pretty confident during it. I was sweating bullets, but that's just kind of how I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the that final uh, drive of the second or of the second quarter, that was like the first time I remember this year of uh, of OU really doing that kind of patented move that they had kind of with Baker kind of perfected of just um, going straight into the half uh, on like a one minute drive scoring opportunity. They kind of been blowing those opportunities yeah. throughout the season. Um, so that really, mm-hmm. especially because I knew we could, 
oh, you got the ball back at the top of the third quarter, which the broadcasters were questioning at the top of at the beginning of the game for some reason. I don't I can't I'm not really Absolutely sure. Absolutely blew their mind. Yeah, it's like why would, would you elect to defer? To, yeah, why would you defer with that offense? It's like, well, they get the ball to start the third quarter. That's yeah. why. But anyway. Um, this is this is one of those things where like once like the entire cultural landscape of college football has like played an NCAA football game. That yeah. will just go away, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was Sean McDonough who had been doing Monday night games for the last few years. But anyway, um, so once they did that, and I knew they got the ball back to start the second or the third quarter, and they scored there, I started feeling better. And then things went south a little bit. But uh, I don't know. It was it was probably the most. It was definitely the most uh, complete game they played the whole year. Um, there were several opportunities for Texas to kind of stretch the lead and. The defense got some stops, and they actually got. I know Bledsoe had a big sack um, mm-hmm. in the second quarter, and they, I mean there were several there were several times that um, Texas had the chance to kind of create some separation, and then the defense instead of the offense were the ones making the plays, which was you know kind of a unicorn. Uh, it felt like yeah. seeing that. Yeah. So um, it's um, about the time they pulled their weight a little bit. So it's great. It was great to see. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't describe this as a like a good defensive performance, but um, there was a lot of there were a lot of aspects of the defense that were actually like, okay, I'm, it was I good. Can, for this I can defense. vibe with this. <laughs> um, the one thing that stood out to me, like on rewatch, is um, the we got pressure uh, in passing situations, which we basically hadn't done since the second week of the season. Um, and we got it, got it in a lot of different ways. Like we got it with blitzes, we got it um, in man, we got it in zone, um, and we got it off the corner, which was really fun. Yeah, yeah I, we spent we sent that corner blitz probably five times. Like that was something that they, I think they might have scouted out and said that's something we can hit on because. Yeah, there were well several times where Sam Ellinger was just able to get rid of it before he got sacked by Parnell Motley or Norwood. Well, I guess it wasn't Norwood, but um, they sent that a lot. Yeah, well, and you can like if you like if you go and watch that safety, like you can see like as soon as this play call is in, like it's basically over for Ellinger because he's not like. I don't know if it was like the tendency to go with play action in that situation or just like, but you could tell like he had no chance because he was never going to see Trey Brown running a four two forty at his face. Well, yeah, he never what? even, he never even looked to the right side of the field on that play. He was looking left the whole yeah. time. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. it kind of an underrated kind of situation of even leading into that was, you know, CD had just turned the ball over after a huge momentum swing kind of play. Uh, so they they got the ball back, and the very first play, they I think it was Trey Watson got you know hit behind the line for a two yard loss. I thought that was yeah. just kind of an underrated because then they're almost forced to start passing back there. Uh, they put yeah, them behind no, the Kenneth line. So that, yeah, Kenneth Mann made a big play and hit you know hit the ball carrier behind the line. And that got Sam Ellinger standing there, you know, in the in the end zone for that play to happen. So I thought yeah. it's kind of an underrated little unsung moment, uh, but yeah. it kind of set it Kenneth up a little Man, bit. Yeah. Kenneth Mann is like the patron saint of only making the necessary play. And I love him for it. 
I feel like that's that's like our defense is the patron saints of that. Like during the West Virginia game, like it just feels like it's gonna get done. Like we're even when it's like this defense is so bad, it's not how, like plays are just for some reason gonna be made. Like there are no analytics yeah. to back that up. It's just like it feels like something's gonna happen and it's gonna get done. Yeah, yeah. It's never. It's, it's usually so not very pretty, man. but <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I just I don't it's, understand how this defense is so consistently good at doing what we're talking about and like doing enough and making the plays to win the game. But like, how so come awful. we can't hold teams time. under forty points? You know? Yeah. Like it it's just it makes point. no sense. Like I don't know if it's like. That, to me, the fact that, you know, will they get it done? Will they absolutely have to? That makes it sound, seem like it's an effort thing, right? you know? And, like, that's the worst thing ever, if it actually is, uh-huh. you know? Um, yeah, I'd almost I, rather just not be – well, actually, I would rather them just not be as good. At least I can kind of stomach, like, oh, the other guy's just better. But, <laughs> like, if they're not playing hard, that, that, that sucks, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – well, we're not here to complain about the defense yet. Um, no, and is, is there, you know, is a reasonably good performance this, from them. So I can't. This is a I playoff mean, defense. I will not be complaining. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are they really well, that much worse than last year's? Are they even worse than last year's? I don't know statistically if they are or not. In it SMP doesn't plus, feel that they much are worse. not, but like they have been trending backwards for a bit. Right. Now, so I remember, I remember a couple of weeks ago thinking, I think we were ranked like 59th in S and P plus defense, and I was like, man, if we could just get this up, you know, top 50, and it <laughs> yeah. has been the the opposite trend since then. Right. I think we're yeah, down to 89th right now. Yeah. 89th. Last year the. Well, last year they ended up in the hundreds in SMP Plus, didn't they, after the Georgia game? So, I mean, they're playing yes. Bama. Yeah. So that well, they were in the hundreds before the Georgia game, I think. Oh, so we're better. So, uh, there we go. That's all I need yeah. to know. Um, yeah. Look at Natty uh, coming. 2021, it's over for you bitches. <laughs> the, um, like the caveat here is that SMP Plus's um, formula changed slightly this year. Um, preseason projections are actually still in the formula. Like they're very diluted at this point in the season, but they're not completely gone. Mm-hmm. So like that is probably inflating the rank a little bit. Um, but like you can see, um, like we've this defense the entire year. This defense has been a poor um, efficiency defense, just in terms of yeah. like teams are able to convert their downs. They stay on schedule against us, but like they like previously, you know. We haven't, they haven't let up a ton of big plays, um, and that has started to trending back towards like inefficient and unable to stop explosive plays. Because now, yeah. now it's like 109th in efficiency and like 50 ish in explosiveness. So, yeah, that's the thing about this team. It's like it's a very, it's a very different feeling defense. Last year they gave up a ton of big plays. This year it's like death by a thousand cuts. It's just teams drive it, you know down the field on us just over and over and over again. And this might be the, I don't know. I don't even have, I don't really know what they rank in third down defense. I don't have it in front of me, but it feels like they're the worst in the country. It's amazing. They consistently get teams third and long, and then they give it up. Go ahead. Well, I can say that um, first um, they're 118th in the country in third and short percentage, 13% of third downs are third and short. Um, They allow a successful play on, 26% 26% of third and longs, 58.8% of third and mediums, and 88.5% of third and shorts. 
um, those last two figures are both in the 120s in FPS. Yep, that built. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> See, yeah. Um, All right. But well, Trey okay, Brown that's... did get a safety, and it's like it's true. Yeah. Well, I think one of the, we need, things we really need to talk about is um, the personnel changes on defense, because yeah, I mean they made some. I would call them pretty bold moves. Um, mm-hmm. They just yeah legitimately benched Buki. Like the guy had played, uh-huh. started every game this year as a true freshman, and he didn't play a defensive snap on Saturday. You know, even when they threw out like their six defensive back packages, yeah, Buki was playing nowhere Pat to Fields. be found. Yeah, Pat Fields was on the field, which I mean, Delarian Turner yelled didn't get to play at all. Um, which yeah, I just they, I found that yeah. very interesting. Yeah, they both got roasted. It, in like it's almost yeah, that film study was rough yeah. that following Monday. Uh, yeah, obviously, I, it's almost like the um, like the defensive staff was just like this team has one good safety, um, so we're just like Robert Barnes gets to play safety, and everybody else, like every other defensive back, is going to be a corner. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and like I don't know about you guys, but if I were looking at the three corners that we had played this year, um with Norwood Brown and Motley, I think Norwood's probably the last guy that I, I would think of moving to safety, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. given his yeah. deficiencies and like he played there and, you know, I'm not going to say he was good, but he wasn't giving up big plays down on the field. No. Every time. And he like, he, was... he even tackled well for him, you know, like he made some yeah. tackles yeah. that I am not used to seeing Trey Norwood make. Yeah, I mean, little Jordan Humphrey didn't have nearly the game he had the first go around. Part partly yeah. that was because Colin Johnson was winning a lot against Motley, but right. uh, still, yeah. I mean, little Jordan Humphrey was matched up across from Norwood most of the game, and I mean, he had some good plays, but he wasn't, you know, the monster that they encountered in Dallas. So I don't know. I mean, right. it was, you know, wasn't completely not positive. I mean, it was right. at least well, yeah. he held his own but in some situations. It, yeah, it's like Will Jordan Humphrey averaged five yards per target this game, which is like, that's really bad. That's worse than Marquise Brown actually had in this game. Um, and Marquise Brown, I mean, was almost a non-factor after the first quarter. Yeah, he had the part. Right. He might have had his worst game of the year. I, I don't yeah. think there's any doubt to me that this was Marquise's worst game, especially with the injury. Yeah, I mean, on drops alone, that was his worst game of the year. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I've yeah. never seen him drop it like that. Yeah, one thing I want to say, last thing about, about the secondary, um, is I de- like I think we can all agree like this is what we're going to do in the playoff, right? Norwood's going to be playing that safety spot because Alabama. Probably. We'll definitely talk about this more, but Alabama is ridiculously loaded at receiver, and yeah. we're going to mm-hmm. have to have all of our best cover guys on the field. To yeah, have a chance to stay with any of them. So, yeah, yeah. I think this oh. is something we're going to see a lot of. They have five receivers that could start for anybody in the like. I really think could start for just about anybody in the country. Their number five receiver has about six hundred yards, and it's the guy that caught the game-winning touchdown against Georgia last year in the cha- in the championship. That's their number five guy. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, they have four really really good receivers and an excellent tight end. So it's going to be really tough. But 
Yep. I mean, yeah. we see really good receivers every every week in the conference. I mean, yeah. if there's one thing for the Big 12, you see good offensive skill talent. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. well, and just from a style standpoint, none of those guys are Colin Johnson. Or right. Rose there's or no 6'6", 220 you know? out there. Irv Smith, yeah. their tight it's end, like, he's he, like 6'3 or 6'4". So. Yeah. It's like finally our recruiting might like start to make sense. Not that it will translate to anything on the field, but like you'll finally see what we were going for with like yeah. like tiny speed speeders. Like, yeah. Well, and you know, it seems like defensively they're wanting to move towards having more corner, like having the safeties be more corner like, you know, mm-hmm. be more like corners than anything. And well, you know, this is kind of, what, I guess, the first step in that direction. That's what Kerry Cooks has been saying. He's like, we're not recruiting. Uh, safeties or whatever it's like we recruit dbs here which i think is kind of kind of dumb but uh i mean that's what they've been saying so it's like they want yeah they want to convert corners into safeties um which makes some sense but i think i mean yeah or your best safety your best safety on the roster is a true safety so i don't i'm not sure well yeah yeah that's proving true yeah i don't think it's necessarily worked out but i see the logic to it like given how the like general the style of play like the requirement to be like matched up man to man it like just all the time is so huge now mm -hmm. i think if jordan parker could stay healthy he'd have a shot but the guy just can't seem to stay healthy but i mean the way i see it if we're gonna if we're gonna do that strategy we need to be recruiting big ass corners you know like yeah at least six feet tall you know we can't have little midget dudes out there yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that well, if you want your if you want your entire secondary to be like hybrid corner safeties, then you need to recruit hybrid corner safeties. Y'all, yeah. I mean, exactly. He didn't. He didn't have the best game against OU on Saturday, but Chris Boyd is massive. Did you like? Yeah. I just every time they showed him on the screen, it's just like that is a dude. You know, that's why I've been seeing him in like in some mock drafts hovering around the first. That guy is. I don't know what his dude. measurables are, but he's bigger than. He's, he might, he's like, he's, I don't know if he's as big as Robert Barnes, but he certainly seems like it. Texas's secondary is going to be a problem in a couple yeah, of years, man. Their true freshmen are all really good. Like, they are ridiculous. I, I can't remember the guy's name that starts on the other side, but he's really good. Uh, Brandon Jones Vontae is a Davis. sophomore. Yeah, Vontae Davis. Uh, Brandon Jones is a sophomore, right? He's a junior. Uh, Oh, is he? Okay. And then uh, Stearns is going to be a free. Yeah, Caden Stearns. Like, BJ they, Foster. BJ Foster. Like, they are going to be a problem. They've got Anthony Cook, who's played a lot this year. Yeah, he'll start next they, year after. Uh, yeah, Boyd leaves. After yeah, Boyd leaves. They're going to be a freaking problem, man. It's They've got a lot of talent back there. Yeah. Um, and, I will say that if there's, like, if there's one place where, like, Oklahoma skill positions could match up. It's wide receiver. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It'll be a really fun matchup seeing, you know, Trajan Bridges and yeah. Theo Weiss and all those guys against the Texas DBs. Yeah. That'll be like, uh, something that's to gonna watch. Be like, like, this is where, like, all of that Texas 7-on-7, seven seven, like, comes to fruition. This is, like, that's, people will be watching because that'll be a big thing. Yeah. Speaking of B.J. Foster, that hit he put on, uh, on Lee Morris on that key third down that oh, yeah. it was kind of that little yeah. middle screen that Lee Morris, I was really impressed just that Lee Morris held on to that because BJ Foster, 
hit him yeah. hard. He, you, you could see it yeah, as he PJ got Foster's up. Yeah, he's like, going to rack up some targeting penalties in his career. Yeah, you could, you could see like cool. he got up and he was like shaking his head, kind of. He got it kind of rattled a little bit. Um, Foster, was, Foster's the cool. one that almost took Kyler out, right? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Seemingly attempted to murder Kyler Murray in front of all of our Which, eyes. To me, I understand. Like, I mean, it would probably really suck if they had called that a penalty. But like, if the intent is what you're trying to get out of the game, why wouldn't that be a penalty? You oh yeah, no. like because I've, that I've that was since legitimately the... trying to hurt Kyler Murray. Like, there, there is no other way I can look at that. Is that you are putting like his head would have hit Kyler Murray square in the freaking jaw if Kyler hadn't ducked down and like that like he yeah. gets thrown out of the game but we also lose that game because we don't have the Heisman winner at that point you know what I mean um, yeah no absolutely so, yeah no I've argued like people talk about not wanting to legislate intent um, but like there's a like. If the idea is to punish the behavior, you have to legislate intent as well as, like, you know, lack of intent. Like, you have to both punish malicious actors who fail and, like, you know, like benign carelessness. Right. We can, but this is the targeting penalty, which I could talk forever on. Um, where uh, el- well, what else do we want to talk about with this game? I wanna, another one, uh, like, did you see the hit that Chris Boyd laid on Hollywood whenever he got thrown out of the game? Or whenever Hollywood got hurt, like, that Mm -hmm. was another, like, they were diving headfirst a lot at our guys, you know? And I'm not saying, like, it was kind of, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't mind seeing some of our defensive backs lay hits like that because it was, like, kind of set the tone for some stuff. But, you know, they they didn't connect for any, like, pure targeting things, but the, like, the way they were playing, they easily could have had a couple guys thrown out of the game by the just the I, intent that they seemed to be playing with. I, yeah, I, I never yeah. got the impression it was so much intent. I, I don't know. I just thought they were playing really, really physically, which I was impressed. I thought they actually played really well on defense, about as well as I think most teams could hope to play against uh, our our offense. You know, I thought they, yeah. for the most part, they took the run away. I don't know if they took it away, but they slowed it down a lot. Um, which I mean it helps to have Kyler Murray <laughs> right. in that situation. But, um, I mean, yeah. they were, I don't know, I thought that was a really inter- a really well-played game, actually, on their part. Yeah, and, like, I'm not saying, like, uh, I probably sound like a whiny OU fan because of, of how it went. And I'm like, I like how the game, like, turned out, and I, you know, it was fun to watch our – you know, like, it wasn't at the time because it was like, why are we not getting eight yards every play, you know? But – you know, they were they were challenging us, you know, and that wasn't something that we'd really seen all year. And they were, like you said, very physical with our with receivers. And I think that really affected Hollywood. I thought, you know, like you said, he had his probably his worst game of the season. And I I think Chris yeah. Boyd had a lot to do with that. Well, he was uh, getting thrown down, you know, by the face mask a couple of times. He was getting mm-hmm. tossed around. So, I mean, they were roughing him up a little bit. And um, yeah. I mean, like, if you're going to that's a, that's the way to play him. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like whenever they it's, um, penalty on Boyd, he like he didn't act like it he cared. He was like, Yep, I did it. You I know? mean Boyd probably has yeah, thirty pounds on Hollywood. <laughs> like let's be real. Yeah. So yeah. well the other thing is that like all of Chris Boyd's penalties on Hollywood were like extremely savvy moves. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, so it, touchdowns. You either, yeah, you either give up a touchdown or you throw them down by this face mask. Of course, you throw them down yeah. by the face mask. I mean, <laughs> it's especially not, since yeah. pass interference isn't a spot foul. Like, why not? Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. Right. Um, so is, I will is say, that like, all Parnell? I mean, I don't think that. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Is is that all Parnell Motley was doing? He he was just saving touchdowns, going for the the. Pass interference is that what he was doing? <laughs> we can we can say that. I don't. I he well clearly he didn't pass interference on one of them. He made a great play because there wasn't yeah. a play there wasn't a flag thrown, so it wasn't pass interference. So yeah. I know you're not talking that's, about that one. That's uh, that's okay. Well, I'll take that pass interference if because the Trey Norwood one on that third down that was pass interference and they didn't throw a flag. So yeah, well, well, I'll let it just like. Yeah, I mean he had he had his right arm hooked around him, but I was listening to one. one, Has no idea. Yeah, I was listening to one podcast. Um, It's a betting podcast, so you know these guys are just worried about the the cover. But they were before the game. They were talking about how the conspiracy theory that the Big Twelve refs were going to make sure OU wins this because there's a financial incentive to get in the playoff. Then after the game, they were all over the confirmation bias. Like, see, we told you. The refs were going to rig this one. It's like no, yeah. Big Twelve refs are just bad. Like it was yeah. bad the whole game, yeah, no, and that there's... was just the that was just the biggest no call. They're just bad. Usually, yeah, games involving Texas a conceptualization have... of what interference is. Right, it's not consistent. That's the problem. Yeah. If it's going to be consistently, if it's going to be bad, at least be consistently bad. But um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, no, it's it's well, annoying. The, it's the, com- the reality of the conference. The way I kind of think of it is that I think that they, I mean, they are probably about as soft on the rule as anybody, and that like they just call anything a pass right. interference. Oh but yeah, I, I agree. Rest, they kind of they kind of feel at, once you call like five, kind of thinking, okay, this is getting ridiculous. We got to let a couple go. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start looking really bad because you're like letting actual pass interferences yeah. go just to kind of even out the fact that you've called like six penalties on yeah. already that were or kind of iffy you know well and that's why i always yeah. think you know i think i think that does play a part of it and i always wonder why they don't just you know basically play physically every snap because they can't call it every single time it's like you know right and i think it, and you said yeah. that you know i think they call it pretty favorably towards passing towards leaning towards most things or pass interference in this conference and i think it almost works to the to the big 12's detriment when they play you know large out-of-conference games because their defensive backs are used to not, you know, don't play as physically up against the wide receivers as other conferences do. I remember oh, yeah. whenever we played Florida in the 08 championship and their receivers were just getting mugged and there were no calls. Um, and I remember people talking about it after the game, just how different, how much more, uh, how much more aggressive the Florida defensive backs were because of how they played and, you know, and that could be a whole. You, that's a whole religious SEC versus Big Twelve sort of sort of deal there. But um, I think I, it rem- does. I remember our, our receivers getting targeted and knocked out of the yeah, game. That, is what I will Hill, Yeah, the Will Hill hit on who was that? Manuel Johnson. Yeah, Manny Johnson. Right. So yeah, there's this. I don't know. Yeah, that's a whole another tangent. Well, and, but, yeah, and like it, it has an effect on the other side of the ball too because like. Um, receivers in the Big 12 are trained to like 
expect flags when they uh-huh. play in those situations. So they'll give up on plays easier. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's, it's just, the sort of thing where it's it it would be nice if it was just always correct, you know. Right. Which and maybe it can't be, but like if that's the case, maybe we should move it a little further in the other direction. All I know is that watching the Alabama Georgia game, the secondaries are just so different to watch in that game compared yeah. to basically any game I watch in the Big Twelve. It's just night and day mm-hmm. almost. Um, and part of that's a talent thing, but part of it's you know just the style thing. Um, they're so much more yeah. aggressive and. Uh, anyway, it's fun to watch. Yeah. That's a game that uh, of, should be discussed later on. But go ahead. Yeah. Speaking of interference, um, shout out to an underrated play on the day, which is Colin Johnson uh, throwing Parnell Motley to the ground uh, um, in the end zone and then dropping the touchdown pass. Right. <laughs> and the, yeah. But the ref standing there calls it a touchdown initially. It's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, if that's not evidence enough that the refs are just bad, like, it wasn't rigged, they're awful. Right, I was yelling at the television, it's like, he threw him down, how is that not a penalty? But, uh... Man, I cannot... The fans at that game, like, first of all, 80% Texas fans there. Like, like, it was wild how many more Texas people, and, like, you kind of get it, like, they're... There are more Texas fans just in existence, and they had, they probably started buying up tickets as soon as they beat OU in the Cotton Bowl. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. But, like, it was hilarious how pissed off they were after that game at the officials, man. Like, literally, I had a Texas fan come up to me and, like, you cheated. Oh, you cheated. And I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, yes, I cheated. Me personally, I am the one who paid the refs. I yeah. was like, you'd well, be surprised. So, 20 bucks per long call. That. You're like, yeah. why the hell am I up here? I need to get down there getting that trophy. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. I, the, have, you guys, have you guys seen the illegal formation truthers? Oh, God. I have not. I have not. And I'm glad. So, there, was this, there was a huge movement on Twitter after the game that um, Calcaterra's um, second touchdown catch, the one at the end of the game, shouldn't have counted because uh, we had too many men in the backfield because the receiver on the other side of the play was off the line. Right. Was that a Reese Davis or a Chris Fowler? Or a Ken, they look the same to me. One of those guys tweeted something like that. Well, so a few things. First, if like you can watch the tape, the refer- the line judge is clearly signaling that he is on the line. Um, okay. And the entire reason this exists is because the graphics team drew the line of scrimmage in the wrong place. So it looks like ah. he's four yards off the line, but the line is two yards off the ball. Gotcha. Wow. So that, uh, yeah, it's another one of those, like, that I happened just in a, Texas A&M. Yeah, thing yeah. Right. Where the line was off. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't describe, like, I hate the illegal formation penalty. Like, just cause I don't think that it's ever, really enforce like there's so many times that you could call it and then when they do call it you're like oh yeah that was it looked exactly like the last play you know and <laughs> yeah it just drives well it's crazy like how you should never it, it should and, never be called on a static player right right yeah, like never if a player moves alignment. into motion into the backfield then like i can understand like at that point that's an illegal procedure you should call the penalty 
but like a static player should always know if they're on the line or off it. Yeah. Yep. Is yeah. it was was Gary Patterson the one on Twitter leading the charge for the illegal formation <laughs> no, truthers? No, because <laughs> Gary Patterson is now our biggest fan. So yeah, he's very complimentary. Yeah, Ian Lane are gonna are the new. Um, they're the presidents of the OU clubs of Fort Worth and Boca Raton, respectively. <laughs> I would love to see them, those two on uh, Coach's film room together. That'd be a great Oh, career. that'd be awesome. I really think that's happened. Yeah, that'd be um, great. Do they do Coach's film room for the uh, the playoff game, like the first round? I don't they remember. Do I know they do for the championship. Yeah, I think they yeah, do for, for both. I think they do, too, because I remember last year people talking about Patterson wincing as he was watching us try and defend Georgia. So yeah, I, I believe they do. Yeah. Like, and I, I'm almost certain because I, I vividly, I, yeah, I actually I am certain because I remember them talking about how he could see us lining up incorrectly right before the a handoff to Chubb went for 40 yards or something like that, you know. Um, so, yeah. Like he was ca- almost calling it out before it happened. So. Can we just pay $5 million to Gary Patterson and have him coach our defense? Like, <laughs> you know? Wouldn't be opposed I, to it. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop it. Dip into those coffers, Joe. What is so good yeah. about being the head coach at TCU anyway? I mean, he's already resorting to, like, every – like, has his rule book on hand to try and win a game in the regular season. Like, just come on, you Gary. Yeah. You get a designated uh, sweat like, towel. I think that's the big draw. Like, yeah. Jordan Brand is going to get him some khakis that fit, and it's going to be great. <laughs> no, he prefers them to not. <laughs> well, and if you're coaching on OU staff, you don't have to, if you're coaching on OU staff, you don't have to coach against Lincoln Riley. That's, I think that's the biggest draw this, for him. He doesn't have the to pitch we should be making to this anymore. entire conference. That, that yeah. alone would literally shave, or add years to your life, not having to coach against Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Dana, come BOC. Gary, come BDC. Well, he won't have to coach after Lincoln goes to the NFL, right? Uh, oh, oh <laughs> and do Debbie Downer. Don't do that one. Don't do that. Um, is there is there anything? I guess we should probably talk about uh, Kyler Murray, huh? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Can I? He's exceeded, I think, any my expectations that I ever had. Really, I mean, I didn't expect him yeah. to ever be this good. I was just hoping for like eighty percent Baker. That was my hope, and uh, right. he might be like a hundred five percent Baker, which is Ooh. you know hard to even say. Yeah, I mean he's I, he's beating Baker statistically, so you know. Oh yeah. I yeah. the three touchdown throws he had in this game were about as good as throws as are possible. Like, I yeah. didn't think like he started the game kind of shaky and he wasn't super accurate throwing. Um, but mm-hmm. my God, his touchdowns—they were just some of the most beautiful throws you. And also seen. the yeah. non-touchdown where we threw a fade—the my least favorite play in college football—we threw a fade to Marquise Brown, and he drops it in a bucket. And yeah. And they just yeah. make a great play and punch Chris it out. Chris knocks like, it out. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. 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 He no, he had some amazing throws, some amazing catches also by Calc, but uh. Oh yeah. By Calcaterra, yeah. buddy. Yeah. You know. Right, Still, he was, put those in perfect spots. He was inter- yeah. he was interfered on both too, and he was able to yeah. catch it because they were in such perfect positions. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, no, it was they I, were unbelievable. Yeah. I thought 
I mean, just the guy's unbelievable. Like the idea that this guy is going to play one year of college football, he's probably going to win a Heisman. Probably talk more about that later. And this is just basically something he was doing for fun this year. Like it, yeah. I think this might have just been like a. I really like football, and I want to prove to everybody and to myself that I could have dominated right. college football if I hadn't been sitting out for the last two years. Um, and yeah. it's it's just yeah. incredible, man. Yeah, I, I, go ahead. Um, yeah, I had this conversation with my dad earlier that it's just like watching him play all of this season has been like. Like it has produced feelings with, within me that like are difficult to describe because there's almost there's like a melancholy in the joy of it because it's like yeah. every touchdown is like now like you're so cognizant of like that moment is in the past and there won't be that many of it left. Right. Like, it's been like just the effervescence of Kyler Murray playing quarterback has been just astonishing to experience. Like this is it's been incredible um and like i mean baker was amazing like baker was about as good as a as close to perfect i think is what i'll say like he did as much as is possible for a quarterback to do right and then kyler came in and just started doing impossible things right well and yeah I have a, a hypothetical question. If, you know, two minutes left in a game and you've got to drive the field for a touchdown, like, are you, do you want Kyler or Baker leading that specific drive? Oh, this is like mm. asking me to choose between. I mean, I'll children. say it. I'll say it, Kyler. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing Kyler has that Baker didn't is he can extend plays with his legs, you know, and especially if it's like, and now I've almost taken too far, too deep into it, because that's like some those defense would probably be running some prevent bullshit, and he'd be able to <laughs> he'd be able to oh, run yeah. into the open oh, yeah. space. It's, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so not yeah. even not even just that he can extend plays with his legs. The fact that yeah. Kyler can legitimately break plays with his legs, like he can gash yeah. you for forty if you yeah. are playing the pass. Yeah, I um, I guess I have to go with Kyler just because, like, if things go wrong, it sometimes doesn't even matter. Um, that's true. Like, no, I mean, Baker was really, he was so amazing at, you know, extending plays, you know, scrambling, but he didn't have the home run ability that, yeah, uh, I don't know what he ran in the 40, but it certainly wasn't whatever the hell Kyler's running. So, yeah, um, I am like, again, I was just watching through the highlights of this game and just like, how the hell do you defend this guy? Because like watching pass rushes against him and just like the second they over pursue around the tackles, he's gone. And like, they're just, they never had any chance. They were never going to get to him. And like, he had one run. I'm yeah. sorry. I was just going to say he had one run against, I think Jeffrey McCullough was trying to keep him in contain. And he just ran around him. It was like almost, he was toying with them so much, you know, he's, yeah. This outside linebacker just had no chance. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you can spy him, but then like we're gonna call up a quarterback draw, and you're gonna have just a Ben Powers in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you spy him, like even if you have the angle, he can still outrun the guy. In all likelihood, yeah. you know you have yeah. to spy him perfectly for it to even matter. You know? Yeah, it's like with Baker. If you spy Baker, it's like all right, now there's a defender on the field that Baker gets to decide where they are. 
And right. it's like, it's the same with Kyler, except with his feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Ben Powers in your mouth, watch this transition. Uh, how about Brecken Hager and the day he had on Saturday? Uh, not, not a great one. No. <laughs> um, For all the talk he did, he ended the game with one total tackle. And tackle. And tackle. Yeah. The year is 2068. Breckenhager's hair is draping down from the top of the tall tower that he's trapped in <laughs> because he can never cut it now. Oh my yeah. God. It's just. God. And I don't like. There's been. Like, there's some stuff that's like I'm concerned about his mental health, so I won't yeah. dump on him too hard. But like, just the. Worst idea ever for Tim specifically to be the one to talk shit in this yeah. game because that is like he's not a good defensive end, he's an undersized defensive end, he was never going to do anything in this game. Um, and the just the worst idea in the world to draw a target on your back when you're going up against this O line, yeah. It's like every opportunity they had, they put him in the dirt, and it was, it was fun to watch. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah, he's he's like a fine college linebacker, but he's not Roquan Smith, man. Like, do not piss off those big bad guys across from you as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. No, Alex said it the best. He's what you know. He's he thinks he's Chase Winovich, but he's not. Like that's what <laughs> he thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's who he aspires to be but i mean he's not that level of player so he he even has the hair but it's even it's not as good as chase winovich's hair it's just not the same so yeah it's in it's in pigtails um, yeah he was even wearing the pigtails in in pads like he didn't yeah. have the hair flowing which is kind of an interesting choice but anyway yeah i know yeah i don't i don't want to give him too much you know attention but i just wanted to bring it up um yeah. and also on kyler i just I know we talked about this previously, but I just want to reiterate another one of our favorite kind of punching bags. Uh, just the just the amazing take that Ian Boyd had after the spring game of how Kyler Murray looked lost, and he they better prepare Austin Kendall quickly because it was clear that he wasn't going to be able to be a college yeah. star. It's just an amazing yeah. take. I wish I had it, you know, to make it my Twitter header. But uh, it is. Have we have we checked in on Ian? Um, seeing how he's doing. I have. He, I, I read his. I read his post game article. It was basically he talked about um, uh, just that. Oh, you made some adjustments, and Texas didn't game plan properly. Oh, so okay. Yeah. No. He. I mean, this is the thing: is that Ian Boyd isn't stupid, but he is a Texas homer, and he is like cursed to be forever wrong about OU. So. Oh yeah, he's not stupid. He just has extreme orange glasses, and he's like he can't see through them. It's all his takes on OU yeah. is just extremely slanted, and it's yeah. a bit frustrating. But um, no, he's not a dumb guy. He's just an obnoxious guy. Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, uh, reading this post from Ian Boyd, his 2018 All Big 12 team. To no one's surprise, his second team quarterback is Sam Ellinger. He over... thinks Sam Ellinger is really good. <laughs> Over and Will Greer, Brock Purdy. I think Ellinger is pretty good. I don't know if I'd say really good. I don't. I don't think he's yeah. bad. Like he's way better. He had a much better year than I thought he would have. Yeah. So. Yeah. But like, 
yeah. He certainly has played. He didn't throw nearly as many mystifying picks this year. So I'll give him that. You know, yeah, he, and yeah, is, he's sort of figured out his role in that system. And that's all well and good. He's not as good yeah. as Will Greer. No, I take Will Greer in a heartbeat. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks. I'd probably have him third string. Yes, yeah, if Brock know. Purdy had played the whole year, I'd probably take Brock Purdy. But speaking of Brock, what was up with the Iowa State Drake score? That was I, I saw that at the yeah. end. That yeah, is, did anybody watch any of that? Was it no? Because it wasn't televised. Any? You had it to watch on, it through their website or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it was on at the same time as the uh, Big Twelve game. So. Yeah, I was trying to watch it during halftime because they uh, okay. they had come back. Onto the third quarter, it's like I couldn't. It couldn't find it on the television. It's like you could yeah. only stream it through their website. I needed right. to go. I out. just pulled up. I just pulled up their um their uh, statistical profile. Guess their percentile performance on offense for that game. Uh, Seventeen. <laughs> Here's okay. the thing: you are not going to. You are not going to undercut it. Zero percent. It is one percent. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. They must have just sort of not thing. given two shits about that game. <laughs> yeah. They just must um, not have cared at all. Bill Connolly literally has not applicable on team name for that game. Yeah, yeah. Like, in addition to not in yes. his, um Well, think about it. Like, how disheartening would that be? Like, oh, we have to go play Drake while the actual Big 12 championship is happening at the same time. I can understand how that would get you in your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Like they just probably rolled. They just didn't care. They're just turning it here and over backwards for someone else. Yeah. Um, Um, Do do we want to talk about uh, the playoffs? Because we probably (laughs) should talk about it at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, Um, So, all right. First off, I guess let's, let's start with, um, immediately following championship weekend, all of the takes flying everywhere. How do we feel about the general college football atmosphere leading into Selection Sunday? So, uh, yeah, go ahead. I think the, the I mean, obviously the, the primary concern, like obviously going into the week, we were all concerned a little bit about Ohio State. Um but like obviously that quickly shifted to Georgia after that SEC championship game, and mm-hmm. my entire attitude towards it was, if we're gonna put Georgia in for looking good in a loss, then we should just not play games. Like they should <laughs> yeah. pick the playoff. They should have a committee go around and watch teams at practice during the uh, during the off season and then they can pick who they think looks the most impressive and then we can have that be the playoff and then that's it that's all there is because if we're not going to take into account like what actually happened the fact that Georgia lost to the two best teams they played this year right just because One they of the- looked good against Alabama if we're going to p- reward them for that then we should mm-hmm. not play games and in one of those games they lost by 20 like yeah yeah, they they got blown out in one of them. It, I just it. I was so confused. I mean, I wasn't confused. I knew why it was happening, and it's, I mean, there's three letters that. I mean, we all know why it was yeah. happening. Well, but um, I just <laughs> go ahead. What I couldn't understand about it was like they gave them a lot of credit for looking good, and didn't take any of that credit away for the absurd collapse in the second half that they put up. 
they, right. they Georgia. Yeah, it's not like they looked good for all four quarters and they just right. lost an incredible game. Like they were terrible in the fourth quarter. Like they didn't yeah. do anything right in that quarter. They had yeah. one of the some of the like, dumbest coaching decisions I've ever seen. And oh my like, god! Yeah. the fake punt. Touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Like if what an unbelievable like there's thing. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was like, it's honestly there's a part of me that thinks that if it wasn't Jalen Hurts, like if it was just like Tua got over it, you know, like he yeah. like his injury wasn't severe and he was able to like start throwing again, like at his quality like we wouldn't be having this discussion. It was only because it was the game Jalen Hurts came back and proved that you should not transfer because of your loyalty to a coach who doesn't care about you. Uh, right. Like it was entirely the fact that it was the Jalen Hurts game and therefore like in people's idea minds a good game that we're having this discussion at all. Like because if if it's, if it's just like oh like Georgia came out with a strong start and then like couldn't win. Like right. that's not an interesting right. game at all. It's just crazy look, that I, people people want to take like games like this and say you know you know Georgia's clearly a top four team by how they played, but they have such an aversion to analytics and like advanced stat. Like you can say Georgia is a top four team if you want to use like analytics that they have such an aversion to, but you can't right. sit there and say like they lost twice and one of them was by twenty points. Like you can't yeah. justify them being in the top four. Just because the eye test. Yeah, I think they're a great. I think they're a very good team, but you can't just pick and choose what criteria you want to use and not. I mean, they weren't. They, you, two lost teams shouldn't get over one lost champion, especially if those one if a one lost champion's only loss is by three points. While well, you have a twenty point loss on your record, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's not like LSU's some amazing team. They're like a you know a pretty good team that has a really good defense and a legitimately bad offense and you got drilled by them at home. I mean, or at their home, it's just, I don't know. It was extremely frustrating. Yeah. Um, but luckily the committee, I mean, to their credit, I was a little surprised that they kept him over Ohio state. I think, I guess just because of the Purdue loss, but even then it was a little surprising, yeah. but um, to the, to the committee's credit, you know, how often do we say that, that they, made the correct <laughs> choice so you you said like yeah. they can't um you know just keep changing their criteria and that's funny because uh, rob <laughs> yeah rob rob mullen was on podcast with ryan rosillo and he said yeah i mean we pretty much the criteria is different year to year we can't so yeah they definitely pick and choose um yeah, their criteria different people every year right so. and he asked him specifically yeah. like you know you use this criteria to put you were deciding between Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State, and you used this criteria. Oklahoma's a you know one loss champion. This is why you ended up putting them ahead of Georgia. So why did you put Georgia ahead of Ohio State? He was like, well, once we decided that Oklahoma was the best out of those three, then we just looked at Georgia versus Ohio State and used different criteria for the one on one debate instead of the one on one on one debate. It's like just like if they would be transparent. I get that they can't say. Like everything that goes into this, they have to give some like BS. But if they would just be transparent with like, we're all thinking it, so just say yeah. it. Yeah, that, I, mean, I, think the, I think the actual process it did say, who do we think's best? Okay, now let's find some reasons to kind of support, you know, or just our opinions. Yeah, right. yeah, it's not I, the I other way around. Yeah. 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 That's, mm-hmm. that's how I've and, always um, felt. 
Yeah. I um like I just I look at the discussion that happened around this and the discussion that happens every year and like the playoff committee's like shaky reasoning every year. Um even though like I I mean you look back and you can't really say that the playoff committee has done a bad job. Um No, they got in a ride off five years, but uh, Yeah. Yeah, like the one the one questionable one was putting Ohio State in the first one and they ended up winning it all. Um the um thirteenth like, I just can't shake the feeling that like we are still nowhere near understanding how to elect a champion in this stupid sport. Like fundamentally, like we have made no progress since 1998. Yeah. Why is it so? I just, I don't think that it's possible. I don't, I don't know if I don't think there's a good way to do it. Um, Yeah. Well, and this is why I just, Oh, go ahead. Well, Okay. So, I mean, the way that you would do it would be, like, the beauty of this sport is that, or what what people love about this sport, I think, in a lot of ways, is the fact that every game matters, and the they, it has the best regular season in all the sports, right? Right, yeah. Um, and the yeah. only way to really determine, like, a true champion would be to devalue that by expanding the playoffs to include more teams Mm -hmm. and that's just not really something that i want to see um i kind of like the way it is i don't think honestly yeah the 14 playoff doesn't really bother me i just i wish there was more of a scientific process and how they went about it every year that way you know what matters um yeah there's carryover that like we um we spent, you know, more than 100 years having sports writers vote about who they felt was the best team. And that was how we awarded championships. Which is and, real dumb, by the way, because sports well, writers are, there's a lot well, of morons yeah. out there. But, like, our <laughs> grand, like, our grand plan is now what we'll just do is have, like, <laughs> administrators of these schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a smaller group of administrators vote on who they think the four best teams are. Yeah. And it's like, we really haven't, not that much has changed. Like, I mean, and it's nice that those four teams then like settled it on the field. But like, ultimately, as long as the idea is like, you're just asking a group of people who they think the best teams are, you're never going to get close. Like, you have to like, award, like, (sighs) there needs to be like, and I don't really want to talk about UCF, but like, I don't know what UCF is supposed to do. Yeah, they should be talked about. They've won, won like, what, 25 games in a row? They should be talked about. 25 straight games. Um, Like, it's getting to the point where I start, like, wanting wanting them to lose because they're getting too close to the streak. Um, Well, did you see that, um, the the Paul Feinbaum quote where he said before this season, it's like, if they go undefeated again, then yes, they should be in the... In the uh, in the playoff, and then all of a sudden, and then of course he was stumping for Georgia and wasn't even giving US, UCF any, you know, even a thought probably. Yeah. But it's just like, like it's all just it's all hot air a lot a lot of the times. Yeah. And, and like, everyone that's the other thing. Everyone has a, agendas. So go ahead. Yeah, there's not a doubt in my mind that uh, UCF wouldn't get walloped by Alabama. Oh sure. <laughs> like, uh, they should at like, least I don't think UCF is one of the four best teams, but like. This is the problem with that being the um, criteria is that we're still like this is this is exactly what we were doing in 1920 when we were giving the Heisman to whoever was the quarterback at Notre Dame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who won the Heisman in 1920? 
was it Heisman even established? It wasn't. No, it, was, it wasn't started till thirty-two or something like that. Okay, Jay Berlinger. Like, and that's my argument for. I I would like it to be expanded to eight, just because the there you have no complaints about getting left out. Like, if you don't want to get right. left out, win your conference. That's all you have to do. And well, then that gives even, the group. Go ahead. Right. Well, I was just. I I'm a little hesitant to even say. Uh, Conference champions should get automatic wins because I don't want a four-win Wazoo in there. That's uh, fair. But, you know, or something See, like I that. See, I kind of do though, because right? <laughs> like that would be interesting. That would be fun. Then with there's like a Cinderella, which that's another weird aspect of the sport is that like there are zero Cinderellas. Right. Okay. Well, maybe that maybe if, if that's the case, then the top one through five seeds, the seeds shouldn't be dependent on if they're Power Five champions or not. If it, it could be the Power Five champions plus three at large, but the at large could be higher than the Power Five champions because I don't, I just don't want to see a a two seed you know get an easier draw than the than the one seed just because of you know some upset in a championship game something like that. Yeah, so that's fair. As long as yeah. there's some way of that being factored in, then I could live with it. But like if Notre Dame, let's say like Notre Dame got to play Wazoo, but out in Alabama had to play I don't know. Like a undefeated, uh, I don't know. I can't even think of like like an eleven and one Florida State team that lost to Clemson or something like that. That is an at large, you know, that sort of thing. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. the The playoff system. I think the to go back to the original question, the the how I felt leading up to it is there's just so many everyone like everyone had the agenda that they were pushing. And it, that was the thing. It's like, w- yes, we were debating what teams did they think were better, but there is so much behind it that it wasn't even – they were debating things beyond just the teams themselves, and they were kind of masking it as this team is better, but for all these reasons that are just implied. You know what I mean? So that was what was tiring. But luckily, you know, there were a bunch of old – groggy men that were probably asleep at the night before while some of the games were being played that made the right choice. So we'll see how it goes. It's, I think we're what? 14 point underdogs. We could cover that. So we'll see. S and P plus said we would cover. Um, There you go. Great teams cover. (laughs) I mean, that has been one of my favorite parts of this. Um, college football season is just watching jason kirk tweet great teams cover at random football teams every weekend (laughs) (laughs) i like it best when that like teams uh teams lose and these like georgia this week was probably my favorite one yeah as soon as they lose as soon as they lose the lead he tweets great great teams teams cover that's great i just want to say one last thing about the playoff i like I am I am a UCF stan. I don't understand. I guess I get that they're kind of annoying about it. But in a time where Alabama is just going to dominate everybody, why why do, don't we appreciate like the one school that has the best troll job on Alabama? Um, <laughs> I but I think well, they're like uh, there should be an, an outlet for or an avenue for a group of five team to get in because I was reading like a Bleacher Report article from 2014 when they first started the playoff. And they like went through every year of the BCS and what the playoff probably would have been that year. And they were talking about how 
2009 Boise State, the team that went undefeated and beat TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, would have been the four seed. And it's like four years later, nope, like they they would not have been in. I don't know what they would have done, but they have no right being in over 2018 UCF. So, well, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, I understand. I can completely understand their frustration because what's the point of them being, you know, in division one, if they have no legitimate chance to ever compete for a championship, um, it, it's money. It doesn't seem money. like it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's money. Right. But I mean, there have, I mean, there needs to be some, some opportunity. Does or, there need I to mean, be, I feel like we're going to get like a college football NIT tournament before we expand like the CFP. <laughs> I'd watch that it. would actually be kind of fun. Yeah. Like, um, I think... What if what if 5 through 20 did a 16-team tournament themselves? The, that would be the, very the bad. With that is that, Oklahoma State would have yeah, so now many... Now you're asking, like... Be, <laughs> yeah. Now you're asking, like, medi- like, decent to mediocre teams to play, like, three... <laughs> meaningless games it's that would be incredible um yeah so yeah i i don't know where we go with this i'm happy that oklahoma is in the um, playoffs that's my biggest reason yeah. that's the that's the takeaway not being in the playoff is that oklahoma is yeah and the thing is like i don't even have to have like super high expectations i can just enjoy it right yeah well i think that um my view on the playoff right now, and, you know, OU has been very fortunate in its, the history of the playoff. You know, we're in it for the third time in the five years of its existence. Um, so I, I'm probably viewing it a little more positively than I should because, um, uh-huh. you know, it's worked out for my team and who cares about anyone else. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I, I just OU ha- I just don't have a huge problem with how – things are settled like I like it I think it's a lot better than the BCS because you know I I hated the fact that it was just you know it was two teams that got picked you know and so I don't know I just to me it's a lot more fun than it was then oh for sure um, can oh we, yeah and I, oh, I, can I, we, I also can we... like I do not care about UCF <laughs> I yeah. just I could not care less like <laughs> You know, like screw Josh Heupel. Like I hope he fails there. Like I think, I think in a couple of years they're going to be irrelevant anyways. So I'm not really going to lose sleep over UCF not getting a chance to play for it. And also because like, why should UCF be rewarded for something that their team last year did? You know what I mean? Like they're not as good yeah. this year as they were last year. So why? If they didn't get to play for it last year, why on earth should they get to play for it this year based off the fact that they have gone undefeated the last two years? Well, you know there's I mean? the question. They should have gotten the chance to play for it last year. Sure. I'm totally fine. I don't think they should be in the top four. I just don't they're, understand. Is it because they're so annoying about it? Like, why are not... Why are more people not in on the troll job of Bama? Is all I don't understand. So... I've actually seen this explained pretty well. So essentially, like, everyone really enjoyed the whole, like, ha-ha-ha, UCF, national champs, ha-ha-ha. Because, um, you know, and it worked because they beat Auburn. And mm-hmm. that was, like, that was all good and fun. 
But then, like, UCF fans were actually expecting people to think that they were, like, good. Yeah. They didn't, that like... The they thing, is that then it went from, like, jokingly claiming this, like, claiming this title in, like, regards to, like, having a great season and feeling like they were slighted, which is fine. And it was, I mean, and it's fun to poke fun at Alabama. So they had, like, that's where that support comes from. At the same time, they were then like, so now everyone's going to take us seriously, right? And, no. <laughs> yeah, they took it. Yeah, that's exactly right. They took it too seriously. That's like, it went from a joke to them actually having expectations to go along with the joke, and then it kind of killed the joke. But anyway, I, we, we, Alex, you brought up the BCS just a few minutes ago. This would have been an amazing year in the BCS because an undefeated team would have been left out of the national championship, and it would have been yeah. undefeated Notre Dame. And oh my God, that would have been amazing. Um, oh, it would have been hilarious. <laughs> like that would have been awesome. Eds. The offense. Would that have gotten uh, Notre Dame to join a conference? I really, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I really think it could have galvanized them joining the ACC. I honestly believe that if they would have gotten left out because they didn't have a championship game to stack against Clemson, and oh, it would have been amazing. I, would, I, I almost wish we were still in that system just so I could have seen it happen. Yeah, with the BCS system, would it be a Notre Dame Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl? Like if the bowl tie-ins were still the same as they were, is that what we'd have? Uh, I think that sounds right. I'd be I almost kind of, I almost kind of forgot about how that all the different. Yeah, because the fiesta, was, the fiesta was Big Twelve versus at large, right? I'm pretty sure yeah, it was. Yeah, so we always we yeah. played UConn, Oklahoma State played Stanford. Right. Yeah, right. So, I mean, right. it was always we played Boise and West Virginia. Yeah, that, yep. yeah. I feel like it was just at large. Yeah, and that no, year uh, that the Oklahoma State stuff. went to the Fiesta, they were number three versus number four Stanford. So I think that's what we would have got this year. So that's a that's a dub to end the season if we're in the PCS. <laughs> can, okay, can we talk about real quick? Um, I think you know we kind of I talked about this in our group message the other day, but I've kind of completely gone the way of. And again, this might just be because hey, we've been there three times in the last four years, but I've definitely gotten to the point where it's like. All I really care about is OU making the playoff, you know, and anything else other than that is going to feel like a huge letdown to me at this point. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Because, like, the idea, I was thinking about it, like, worst case scenario going into Texas, that Texas game or even getting, like, if they put Georgia in for some reason was, like, we would go to a New Year's Six Bowl and play a really good team and have a really good bowl game, you know? And, like, I'm thinking about, like, when I first got to college, you know, 2011, 2012, we weren't even in that situation. 2013, yeah. we, like, got into the Sugar Bowl on a technicality, like, and that was <laughs> awesome. And that was, like, And we won that son of a bitch. Ever. We did. <laughs> and I, I'm remembering how awesome that was. And now I'm, like, dude, if we wouldn't play in the Sugar Bowl, I'd be, like, super bored by it, you know? Like, yeah. I would just... I would not want to be in that game. I think it's just know? a, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. Um, but I also think it's just a thing about expectations because like if it was a scenario where OU was going nine and three every year, then I would have been pumped about going to a sugar bowl. So um, I think we're just so we've gone four straight years of 11 or 12. I think it's four straight years of 11 wins. Um, yeah. 
I think that's kind of spoiled us a little bit. So if they were to string a few nine-win seasons together, I think that would kind of uh, reset that a little bit. But that, that, I'm completely, you're, you're completely right, at least right now. I'm definitely a prisoner of the moment of being disappointed. Right. It, it's playoff or bust at, every year at this point. Though next year, my expectations will be lower. So, yeah. I go back and forth on what I would prefer. But when Ryan most recently posed the question, he said, well, we... How would we feel about you know going to the Sugar Bowl? And I like, I would be fine with it. I'm not sure. I don't think I'd be happier um, than like losing to Bama in the playoff versus absolutely shitting on Florida in the Sugar Bowl. If that if Georgia got in over us, and I don't know yeah. that we've seen enough. Like, we don't have enough of a sample size to see like, oh, this is how recruiting would be affected if we lose in the playoff versus winning a New Year's Six Bowl. So I don't know. I'm not yeah. as in, tuned into that as you guys are. I don't know how much it, that would affect it. But I would, ending the season with a win, especially if like I'm confident we would destroy Florida or LSU or whoever ended up. Obviously, it wouldn't be LSU. But you know, whatever SEC team we end up with in the Sugar Bowl, I would be fine with winning, ending the season, destroying somebody there. Right. Yeah, I don't think that there's really that big – like. The bump that you would get from winning a national title so far outweighs, like the downside of losing in the first round on in right. the recru- from recruiting standpoint, because there's just not. I mean, whether or not you win the Sugar Bowl, you win the Big Twelve and the Sugar Bowl, or win the Big Twelve and lose in the playoff, like either way, you've got a lot to sell to recruits. Right. It's not yeah. like that's going to really affect it, you know. So, I mean, I just want the shot. I just want the shot to win yeah. a national title, you know? That's, That's how I feel. And I, I think, I think for the, me, Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think the only thing that could potentially be a negative in the playoff is just if you just get your – just get destroyed. I don't think right. – I think just making it to the playoff and being serviceable and putting up a fight inherently mm-hmm. gives you a recruiting boost because you made the playoff and hardly any other schools – I mean, the playoffs have been repetitive. Like It's been almost like the same four or five teams every year. So there's mm-hmm. only a few schools in the country that can say that. So it puts you on another tier. And if you're being competitive and if you're just, you know, a few steps away, you know, kind of like last year, if, you know, if the ball breaks one way or the other once or, t- once or twice during the national championship game, I mean, you can sell that to recruits. It's like, hey, you can get us over the hump. So I don't think – Yeah. I think I think if you're just looking at a recruiting perspective, I think that argument, um, a close loss is almost better than or is just as valuable as a win in the Sugar Bowl because is it really that impressive if you go and you know beat up a slightly above average Florida team? I mean, I don't know. It's not unimpressive, but I don't think it. I mean, yeah. I think right. in, la- in last season's result, I absolutely prefer that over. I don't even remember who was in the Sugar Bowl, who we would have played, but I absolutely prefer last season's result. And it's like you said, this season for me, it is the possibility of just getting boat raced by Alabama, which I don't think we yeah. will. But I mean, it's it is certainly either. on the table. Oh yeah, like I mean, if it gets yeah, it's yeah, it's well, it's just like you know, this sport is random enough that it's always possible that we steal one, mm-hmm. you know, and like. Right. Just like if that fact plays, means it's like worth being in the hunt for it. Because, you know, plays Bama 
10 times they win two. So, yeah. I mean, yes, that's, that's where I'm at. So, I mean, we ahead. don't have to win the national championship to get a huge recruiting bump. If we okay. beat Alabama, that in itself is a huge recruiting bump. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. go beat Alabama and lose to Clemson, like, you can sell the shit out of that on the That would be like, sale, man. That would be the, such a, I always, that made me think of, you know, the, okay, sports history moment in the 1980 uh, Olympic hockey, whenever they beat, you know, the Soviets and then they almost lost to Finland and they're <laughs> and it, uh, the coach is yelling at him. It's like, you go pull off the biggest upset of all time. And then you go about, you're about to lose to a bunch of freaking Finns, you know, it's that sort of thing. So yeah, that would, <laughs> it's like they beat Alabama and then they almost lose to Clemson. I, I mean, nothing against Clemson. Clemson's excellent, but they're not, you know, yeah, Alabama. In, so. like, like me as a fan, like it would suck balls yeah. to lose to Clemson again. Like it would be horrible. But from like a health of the program so. standpoint, like that's still really, really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, can but, you I imagine mean, like gonna... the, the letdown? Like if they beat Bama and then they don't, you know, win it out, win out. <laughs> like, oh, uh, it'd be horrible. Uh, that'd be it so is, painful. Yeah. But. I would, yeah, it'd be one of another, like, I'd feel just like I did last year, uh, losing to Georgia, because, like, I thought, I thought we had it last year, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, um, I did, too. I started like, getting, like, the, not to reopen the old wound, but I was, uh, like, overly concerned about the, uh, the squib kick at halftime. Everyone was, like, high-fiving and slapping, hand, like, slapping backs around me, and I was like, oh, they, gave a, they, they blew their three... Uh, possession lead, lead. And of course, and then of course it bit us in the ass. It was so. perfectly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. could just no, like I, I, I'm I it, like crumbling down already. There's the pessimism in me though. So. Yep. No, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Like <laughs> I was I was feeling as good as I ever have at a football game until that happened. I mean, yeah. I was literally behind the Georgia bench when that happened, and I saw them go into halftime, and they with were with the boost. Yeah, they had a boost, man, because, you know, they went from having, like, this band kid behind them yelling at them to sit down to see the game. Like, I, was, I was feeling myself, guys. I was talking shit to Georgia football players, and then I go in, and I'm like, oh, God, they made that field goal. Yeah, it, yeah. it was bad. Well, he, but Speaking of Rodrigo, what a, he missed that 30-yard field goal. That pissed me off, too, this, this past weekend. He missed that chip shot. It's like, of course, he misses oh, it. Yeah. He drills the 55 yarder into halftime oh. against us. Yeah. So, yeah. God. <laughs> Stupid Rex specs. But anyway. All right, man. Uh, so, that so I think we should. We're, we've got plenty of time to break down the, the Alabama game. Um, the take is that they're, they're a very good team. Um, <laughs> they're possibly unbeatable. We don't actually know. But, but they have one big weakness. What is it? Tune in next time. <laughs> That's right. The answer we is will... actually special teams. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. let's talk about let's talk about the Heisman because that was like one of the big things that happened this past weekend. Because I think all of us were pretty kind of we had kind of just accepted that Kyler wasn't going to win it, and I you know, I was talking about how. Tua was robbing Kyler of his Heisman, but then Tua goes and plays about as poorly as you can play. Yeah. Hurt, and then Jalen Hurts has his Heisman, has Tua's Heisman moment. It was pretty great. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it, oh, it seems like like Kyler's the favorite now. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, it doesn't. He, he is like the betting he is favorite. The favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I saw something about. I don't know if this was this year's or last year's, but I was seeing a number like eleven percent of ballots had already been turned in. Which yeah, that's those, what I'm hearing too. Yeah. So like, first off, those people should get their uh, voting rights, you know, removed um, if they Agreed. if you submit a ballot before the last weekend. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I I didn't foresee. I could. I just couldn't envision a scenario where Tua would give up or open the window. You know, open it up large enough for Kyler to, st- you know, get past him. But, I mean, he played – he did not play well. And, it, yes, he is hurt, but still, he did not play well against Georgia. Um, and that was the biggest game of the year. So, I mean, I don't know how you can't penalize him for that. Um, and then, you know, conversely, Kyler has a great game against, you know, avenging his only loss in the championship game. So, I mean, he sh- Kyler is – I don't know. Kyler is the best – I mean, he's the, he should be the Heisman winner. It's just whether, you know, enough of the old fogey, you know, writers can, you know, actually change their opinion and evaluate it without um, being kind of set into what they had probably been considering the Heisman winner since week five or week four. So, yeah, and the, um, I think I think something that hurts Kyler a little bit, too. And I'm sorry, Ryan, just one more thing um, okay. is that I think there's a bit of mystique with Tua that comes from the championship game last year and i know that's not supposed to be what people evaluate but i think it does kind of um boost his reputation a little bit just because of you know he had the whole off season to be built up into this mythic figure mm-hmm. and so there's a little bit of that to go with him too um and he's a he's a great player i don't want to like downplay him but i think kyler's better and i think he's proven it so um and i think kyler is also more important to his team as is evidence that to his backup bailed him out of a 14-point hole last weekend. So um, yeah. do the right thing, voters. Do the right thing. As yeah. All the Heisman voters that listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's just, I mean, I've, I've seen some Alabama fans be like, oh, we're going to, just because a guy gets hurt and plays poorly while he's hurt, we're just going to completely switch. And it's like, that's not it. It was close coming into this weekend. Like, Tua would have won, but like, it's not like it wasn't close. It's not like Kyler hasn't put up a high yeah. worthy performance. Um, shout out to Dwayne Haskins, by the way, who just this, but... has gotten two back-to-back weeks of just total pumpings by Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, who have nothing else to say <laughs> in the middle of blowouts. Um, he, yeah, he's played really well. Um, and it's just a shame that he and Will Greer will not, or I, I guess he gets to go to New York. Um, Will yeah. Greer doesn't. And so, sorry to both those folks, because they so just happen to have their career seasons um, coinciding with uh, just two of the most incredible individual performances in the history of the sport. Two well, of them. I wanna, like, Will Greer will always have his Vine famous brothers that the broadcast <laughs> will never let us forget about that oh my God. can yeah. take him to New York. His so more famous he brothers. He doesn't need the trip. Yeah. So many Instagram I, followers. <laughs> I want to draw. I want to draw the comparison of people that are trying to like. I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans talk about Haskins deserving to win the Heisman, and I think that that is pretty much like whenever, like last year, the the LeBron versus Michael Jordan thing was going on, 
And I feel like that's kind of like when Kobe tweeted, like, hey, we all just do great. And he was like, respect my five, you know? And um, I feel like Dwayne Haskins is the Kobe of this situation. Yeah, it's just very much like saying, folks, why don't you respect all three of us? Yeah. Right. How do you all feel about Haskins? Because, I, I mean, I think he's a good player. But every time I watch him, I'm, I'm always feel a little underwhelmed. I don't know. I, I mean, he's obviously got a really good arm, but I don't. I, just I mean, he's he's played significantly better in these past two games, but he's also had some really yeah. poor performances. And, like, right. there were a lot of times this year where, like, throwing to the flats bailed right. him out. Like, Paris well, Campbell is thing. fast, and that's all he had going. Yeah, I him. think throwing that's... drags to Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill, like, really helps you out. Right. I, that's the thing. Like, uh, he, I don't see a lot of, like, really difficult throws. It's just a lot of little short passes, and I don't know. it. Yeah. Maybe also his, sometimes his coach took him out in the red zone and like yeah. Well, if you, if you have Tate Martell on the bench, would you? Why wouldn't you play him? I mean, <laughs> I can't can't blame that. That's so. a Tate Martell, I would have future OU starting quarterback calling it now. Oh God, no, <laughs> not a no. Yes. <laughs> Ask I don't my dude. I would love to see that just for certain uh, OU media members, their reaction to that. Oh, yeah. It would just Same. be incredible. <laughs> and if, if Lincoln turned Tate Martell into a Heisman contender, would that not be like the most, like he would be the most intolerable, tolerable Heisman candidate ever. Yeah, he'd be the cockiest Heisman winner probably of all time. And that's including yeah. Johnny Menzel. It would, I honestly, yeah. It would yeah, be that's a, including yeah. Johnny Menzel and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that that would be the only plus of it is people would stop thinking Baker Mayfield's a douche because they're like this kid just this kid. <laughs> you think he's yeah. a douche? Well, look at this guy. <laughs> Where do you see Tate? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there's a good chance Dwayne Haskins goes pro this year, so we might get to see uh, Tate Martell with young head coach Ryan Day next year as his yeah. starting quarterback. That'd be yeah. yeah. Speaking of going pro. Um, Transfer Watch update, Jarrett Stidham has announced that he will be going pro. I thought you were going to say Jarrett Stidham was transferring again. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, yeah. Jarrett Stidham is going pro before he has the chance in to what? have all of his football talent <laughs> away into a little bottle. If Khalil Tate's be... smart, that's where he should go. That He fits that offense amazingly Jared well. Jarrett Stidham is going, going to the NFL. Is this, this is what you're telling me? Yes. yes. No, he's just going. He's just I like, mean, Jared you know what? I'm good. going to attempt to go to the NFL. We'll see if that happens. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> I mean, this, this upcoming QB draft class is, in my opinion, incredibly weak. So, I mean, he will... Oh, there, is a reason, there is a reason he was a projected first-round pick coming into the year, and it wasn't because he's been good before. <laughs> Yeah, when Justin like, Herbert is like, probably QB1, that's... Yeah, uh, that's him and Drew Locke really balling it out. Ugh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Drew Locke. So I do like his like, yeah. celebration and uh, Tom Herman's... You know, oh, that was, I was... It was so fun to see that put back into Tom Herman's face. That was such it's, a beautiful that, full circle. It's so that. weird that, like, Drew Locke's dad was all about it, but, like, the it was an OU fan mocking Tom Herman mocking Drew Locke. Like, the OU fan yeah. is still mocking like, it, Drew Locke. <laughs> it... <laughs> Yeah, it. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that that was a very silly thing that Drew Locke did. Uh, like, yeah. it's still not. Doesn't at no point does the celebration become like a cool thing. Um, no. 
but I do think there is maybe a few layers of couched irony at which point, like it becomes independent of Drew Locke. That's fair. Um, I, it, it's dumb, but a lot of things college kids do are dumb. So I mean, <laughs> it, it's still speaking, way uh, deeper than it is dumb for Herman yeah. to do the the mocking of it. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of Mizzou, by the way, that's where Kelly Bryant's going to end up. Yeah. That's, I thought yeah. that was an interesting choice. He had some interesting, like, he had some big time places he was looking yeah. at. Yeah. Uh, Chad Morris wanted him at Arkansas. Uh, no good you really have to wonder if we tried at all. I don't think I we did. It. Yeah. I, I never it. saw anything that was, I saw he had interest in us, but I never saw anything that that interest was reciprocated. So, yeah. I think, which, I, I'm still trying to find any way possible that OU is not going to have to, I, that, Austin Kendall's not going to be our starter next year. Um, we just got Mordecai's I, I don't, Mordecai is getting a lot of uh, a lot of hype. And you know, I like Mordecai, but I also really don't want him to win it either because I, I just I don't think it's realistic to think Spencer Rattler can win the job next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want him to transfer. <laughs> I, I don't want him to have to sit for more than a year. Like if I want him to sit for exactly one year and then play. You know, I could see like a uh, Austin Kendall starts the first several games. He's okay, but maybe they lose yeah. a close game to somebody. It's like, oh well, screw it. Let's just put in Spencer and take our lumps. I could see that kind I of could happening. See that. Yeah, yeah. And like, I just like next year's going to be really interesting because my expectations are going to be very different. Um, right. And it is going to be extremely interesting they're going to have four new starters on the line they're going to have a new quarterback they're going to have a new defensive coordinator they're going to be missing their deep threat it's going to be well, most likely i mean there's there's so much turnover it's going to be i don't know I, it's a personnel geek sort of storyline it's really really interesting to me um kind of see how it works out because i think 2020 is the like the year if everything breaks right so like on paper yeah. that they should be, you know, able to actually truly challenge for, you know, the title and not just make it into the playoff and hope you look okay. So, mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That might be the year where we're the one seed or something, you know, something yeah. along of that nature. So, yeah. so uh, that, I mean, which, who was our, uh, is that Tennessee? Is that our non conference opponent? That yeah. Year? That's our non conference in Norman that year, I think. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one to have. Um, cool. Uh, is there, oh, we need to talk about the defensive coordinator situation. This is like a yeah. really long podcast, but this is. I mean, it is, but things to yeah. talk about. Yeah. Welcome to hardcore history. Yes. I'm Dan Carlin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so a few things happen. You can't talk about the defensive coordinator without talking about. Well, first off, I guess we could talk about Pete Golding, but there's also been huge uh, national coaching news that could impact the uh, other perceived uh, front runner for the defensive coordinator job and Alex Grinch. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Yep. Yeah. So Urban Meyer is retiring effective at the end of the season. Um, And And effective until 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations. Um, So um, (laughs) exactly. Um, so, and he's just handing the reins over to Ryan Day, um, which like, it's really easy to see how the dominoes line up that like, Greg Schiano goes bye-bye because 
He's mm-hmm. the obvious scapegoat for the defensive regression they saw this year. And then Alex Wrench becomes defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, like, and at that point, it's like, you know, he's not going to be hard down. to get him to come here. Yeah. Um, at the same time, um, like, Nick Saban likes Pete Golding and would like him to continue to work for him. And that's a situation that is difficult to outmatch. Yeah, and, and it's also, so there's there's something in play where there's early signing day is coming up in two and a half weeks, which mm-hmm. also, that, that just seems strange that it's that close. But, um, you know, so most people, you know, logically, you'd want to have a defensive coordinator in place that by that time so you could have a, you know, you could ease any potential, you know, um, questions or you you know everyone feels good that they're signing because they know what their future is and everything like that um they're not signing into an uncertain situation but if riley truly wants pete golding as his defensive coordinator well they're about to play alabama and most likely that's not going to happen till after that game happens it's like they would hire announce a hiring um so that could throw off your timeline of trying to get it done by early signing day so it's like well do you potentially wait a month or however many weeks that is to hire somebody that um, could put you behind any recruiting or any bad situation. I don't know. There's just a lot of kind of iffiness out there. There's a lot of uncertainty um, that goes into that. So on both situations, so then you're starting thinking, well, damn, they could potentially, you know, kind of get in a, they could potentially miss out on both guys, which I don't think they will, but it's possible. And then, so like, who's who? Who's the field? You know, who's the third choice? Um, it, it's just a really, really interesting situation because um, th- there's no obvious answer. Even though I still think Golding, I think Riley will wait until after the game because I mean, is a most likely they'll lose the game and then. He'll they'll do whatever they'll make whatever announcements they make after the game. Um, but there's the potential that it doesn't happen, and so I think if you were, I think if we see a no name announced in the next two weeks, that is a key indicator. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of what what to watch for is something will either happen relatively soon, or if nothing happens, then is probably golding and then we'll just have to wait till you know the first of january or whenever um Mm -hmm. until that's you know until that's completed yeah i'm i'm pretty surprised by how this whole situation seemingly going down um and i guess I, i probably shouldn't be because i don't know a lot of the stuff i had heard wasn't from what i would i wouldn't call reliable sources or anything so um i I was just kind of under the impression that they were kind of further down the road on this situation than they seemingly are. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, maybe they, maybe they are, and they're just not going to announce anything until after the game. Um, and it was just the fact that we're playing Alabama that's putting everything mm-hmm. on hold. But you know, with other names like even the even Alex Grinch, Grinch's name kind of coming into the fold makes me think that they were less settled than I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, though I I do think it's uh-huh. interesting. Like it has been, I think it's been you know fairly quiet, um, and I find that interesting. Just because Lincoln, 
and maybe that's just because he's you know he's caught up in recruiting or whatever but you know there haven't it's all just been kind of speculation it's not like oh we're hearing new names popping up left and right it's more like we aren't hearing anything so this is what i think might be happening it's like it's that sort of thing so um he's playing it really close to the vest and that's still kind of why i think it's golding or it's more likely to be something like that and it's just died down while they prepare for the game and then once the game is over they ramp back up it's that sort of thing but that's just probably me reading trying to read the tea leaves a little bit too much yeah sorry i'm currently watching the oklahoma (laughs) city thunder get blown off the court by alan crab and it's infuriating but uh, (laughs) um yeah, this is just my fault because I'm not watching. Um, yeah, they're down 23. And Alan Crabb, who coming into the game tonight, is shooting 31% from the field as 22 points has made seven threes. So, <laughs> kind of horrible. That's well, I'm watching my Philadelphia 76ers currently beat the league-best Toronto Raptors. So, that's a more enjoyable time. Interesting. Tell me I about not- the Rassic Outlet Syndrome. Oh, my God. Hey, man, oh all I know God. is Matt Harvey, the pitcher for the Mets, had it, and it's a very common baseball injury. So so I'm going to guess Markel doesn't actually have it. Yeah, I'm not watching basketball, <laughs> Just... and I've never heard of Alan Crabb. So that's where I stand. You're not oh. missing much. Well, he has, he has a really wide ears. Yeah. And a really big contract. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It's um, it's like a race to see which is bigger, his ears or his contract. Um, <laughs> I just he's making the twenty game, million so dollars to make thirty percent of his shots. It's pretty yeah, dead. I just flipped it over, so I'm going to try and lay eyes on this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, number okay. thirty-three. God. Okay. Damn. Oh, I see him. Okay. Where okay. is it? Get, they need to zoom in so I can see his ears. <laughs> so we've been going for an hour and forty-five minutes. We which probably is exactly don't have why time to record an exactly episode of Ali made a basketball, basketball. podcast. Um, All I have to say about the defensive coordinator thing is I don't understand why, I mean money, but why Alex Grinch would come here. As we've seen with Michigan this year, it's a lot more fun to be a defensive coordinator in the Big Ten, I'm sure. Yeah, he doesn't call plays right now. Right, that's uh, yeah, calling plays and more money. But assuming Shiano is gone, like that would be. Yeah, I mean, you guys um, said it also, but I think that would be a more desirable job than coming here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think if uh, Shiano is gone, he stays. I mean, he's right. a, he's from Ohio. He went to Mount Union. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, I I think if that opportunity opens up, he stays. So it's just whether Shiano leads. Um, you know, I think it's most likely that he does lead because that's been the rumor all year anyway. Is that he's probably mm-hmm. going to try and get into the NFL because of the whole botched Tennessee situation. It's kind of uh, kind of been an awkward for him anyway, just because he had to go back to Ohio State after trying to leave on this. So um, I don't know. He's a, an ex-NFL guy anyway. Well, yeah, it's not like he can go try and get another head coaching college job because he's pretty much – it's just not going to happen. Yeah, that know? well is really thoroughly poisoned. Yep. Yeah. I do kind of – so as far as, like, who else could they look at, you know, that's – I guess we might see, start seeing potential names pop up, but until that starts to happen and they're like actual names start floating around, I just, 
I'm I'm stuck on my I just think it's the Golding thing has died down and for the next few weeks and then it'll get ramped back up and it's kind of like a gentleman's agreement almost. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And the the football scoop thing. Um, don't which, trust football scoop. It's yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Like the way they reported it, like it to me, that's what it made it sound like was that the, it truly was. It sounded yeah. more like things were on hold than they just weren't going to happen. You know, I mean, um, yeah. and the fact Let that me, things would even be on hold makes me think that there is truly interest between both sides, you know? Yeah. Allow me to amend my previous statement. Don't football scoop is fine, but they miss on things too. So just take it with a grain of salt, you know, use it, but don't, you know, trust it. Absolutely. I guess would be what I would say. Cause it's like anything else. It's, you know, nothing's ever 100% um, yeah. set in stone. So and like like you said, I, I read it the same way, and people were kind of freaking out. But I think if you actually read it, it kind of yeah, no, I agree. Reads that way, so yeah. Um, I think it seems like a natural end. I believe. I agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Unless we want to come come up with another topic. Anybody else got anything else? Anything no, we we've, we've been going long enough. I just wanted to say that Tylen Wallace shouldn't be nominated for the Blitnikoff, and that's really it. Right. I love Tylen Wallace. I think he's great, but he shouldn't be nominated for the Blitnikoff. What about that guy from UMass? <laughs> I'm fine with the small small school stats guy. I'm fine with him getting a nomination because right. he's not going to win. Wait, wait, gonna be jury the, duty. Why, why no Tylen Wallace? Uh, well, I mean, it is traditionally a stats award, and he's there because of the stats. But, like... His number of targets is just absolutely ridiculous, and like his yeah. his catch rate is the worst of any of the semifinalists. Like his catch rate is fifty eight percent, and Marquise Brown catches seventy four percent of his targets. Like uh, Marquise Brown has seventy fewer yards and like four fewer catches on thirty five fewer targets. Wow. Like, the only reason Tylen Wallace is there is because of volume. And if you're just going for volume, yeah. like, Antoine Wesley at uh, Tech has better stats than Tylen Wallace. Like, he has 1,400 yards and yeah. 88 catches, and Tylen Wallace has... Yeah. Well, if it's just about volume, then it should be Andy Isabella's. Like, yeah. there's no argument that make that for Tylen Wallace that doesn't make it more clearly Andy Isabella. Right. Speaking of national award winners, um, is this the weakest year for like the Doke that it, I can? I was thinking that too. This the is like bad year. For I had to look even up is the. Um, I I'm going to assume that it's going to be Travis Etienne at Clemson that wins it, but like there's yeah. Daryl Henderson Henderson at Memphis, and then I can't even. I think it's Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Yeah. I think are the three. And like yeah, this is the is. weakest year I can think of yeah. for the Doke. And like, like Taylor and Etienne are the only like running backs who I can even think of as like having notable years. Like exactly because Henderson's well, had a huge year, but he's played for, he plays for Memphis, so nobody watches him. Oh well, yeah, but, uh, it's like <laughs> well because everyone really expected this to be the um, Bryce Love versus um, Jonathan oh, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. A lot with of a, people with a side helping of um, Rodney Anderson, but right, uh, yeah, Rodney getting hurt, Justice Hill missing some games. Who should have gone pro? Oh, oh Bryce Love. 
Bryce Love, yeah. Alabama has three really yeah. good running backs, so none of them really get, you know, the the Georgia yard. Georgia has to, two. Yeah. Y'all, I, I know uh, I know Swift is the star for Georgia, but I'm a big fan of Elijah Holyfield. Holyfield is really fun, yeah. He try he he tries to murder people when he runs, and it's just he. I really like watching him play. I think Holyfield. Um, he made the pro football focus like all SEC first team, so they agree with you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're validated. I'm not a huge fan of PFF, but I'll I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> what is it's PFF good for confirmation bias? I don't know, man. And they love Neville Gallimore. Some wacky scores. I don't really understand. Um, maybe I. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it's because I don't know what I'm watching. But still, it's. I don't. I often don't agree with them. So. Yeah. Not sure what it is. Weird stuff. I, I, I'm yeah. always. I'm a little skeptical that they break down an entire game in like three hours. Also, so mm-hmm. you know, from like every yeah, single player's perspective. Yeah, it's like I don't. I'm not sure I understand how they have the staff to put up the numbers like because it sounds like the sort of thing that would take 20 people like two weeks yeah i just don't really understand how they do it so quickly and to what they i i just don't understand the system i don't know how it works so yeah and like their system is entirely proprietary they won't explain it to anybody yeah say maybe it bodes the conspiracy theory it doesn't work and they just (laughs) But, like, I don't know, it's hard to be mad at PFF when they've loved Kyler and Baker so much. And they were right about Baker, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have some validity. I just often, they'll throw out something like, like, on Saturday, I'll be like, man, so-and-so had a great game. And then they'll, they'll, get, they'll get the PFF scores back. And he had, like, a, by, according to them, a bad game. And I'm just kind of scratching my head. It's like, really? You know, so, anyway, it's. It doesn't really matter. I just don't really understand how they do their do their assessments. And again, I again, I'm still skeptical of how quickly they pump those things out for every single team. So um, it's yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we're gonna call it there. Um, thanks so much for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy, at RW Maxi, and at NotThatSamDavis. Um, and if you've enjoyed the podcast,